heard some people getting excited. That's all right. We believe baptism is an important part of our discipleship process. And what that means is becoming more like Jesus. And it's how we separate ourselves from this life. It's how we declare to our families and friends, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm going to identify with Jesus and the things of God. And so I'm excited to remind you this morning that we have another baptism coming up on August 6th. Um, sign up and go to the information booth out there. If you haven't been baptized and you're ready to make a commitment of faith to Jesus, I'm going to encourage you to follow through on that part of your uh, discipleship with the Lord this morning. Amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Paul, one of the pastors here at the church, and it is my joy uh, to conclude the series this morning that we've been in now pretty much for the last six or seven weeks as we've been moving through the book of Philippians. No, I just wanted to see if you're away. The book of Colossians, right? The book of Colossians, the series has been called Bigger. And the notion, the whole idea that Paul is writing to the church in Colossus is that we have got to remain fully devoted, fully committed to keeping Jesus bigger than everything in our lives. And if you've been with us the last few weeks, you, you'll remember that in chapters 1 and 2, Paul goes out of his way to talk about the fullness of God. I want to tell you this morning, right out of the gate, that we believe Jesus was the Son of God. That Jesus was fully God. That His sacrifice was God-sized in proportion to our sin and covered our sin. Amen? And so Jesus is the image of an invisible God, and Paul has gone out of his way to talk about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. After that, Paul talks a little bit about um, these behaviors that we can incorporate into our lives. And we've preached on this. You can get online and, and check out the messages. But he's talking about a list of behaviors. Stay with me, behaviors. Behaviors that are valuable to our fellowship with Jesus Christ. They are not regulated. They are not mandated. You don't even have to do it. But they will bring value into your life as you follow Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and then last week, Pastor Bill did a great job talking about um, the horizontal relationships between spouses and between children and employers and employers to employees. Amen. And so there's, there are just set standards of conduct for every believer in how we are to operate towards one another and how we're to act in love. And so today, I get to conclude this series. Everybody say, "Ah, Yeah, I know, Mark. I mean, it's so disappointing, right? And so I get to conclude the series today. Um, and I love preaching a, a book in the Bible that promotes Jesus and makes Jesus bigger than everything else. And so we're going to read today in Colossians chapter 4 starting in verse 2 through 18, but I'm going to read it kind of verse by verse and then talk and teach about it. Before we get into the text this morning, let me just tell you what's going to happen in our text, all right? What's going to happen here is Paul has been talking about the individual. He's been talking about an individual relationship with God. He's been telling us what God is to us, amen, who Jesus is for us. He's been talking about how we are to act to one another. And then right here, In chapter 4, he's going to kind of, again, shift the direction of the message and address the whole church body. So he's gone from individual now to addressing the whole church body. And I want to tell you, the title of the message this morning is The Mission of the Church. Would you say with me this morning, The Mission of the Church? And what's going to happen, I'm going to to set up the message a little bit this morning, but what happens here is Paul is kind of giving this this final call to the church. He's given all this instruction. He's given all these specific details of what it is to look like. And even now in 2017, we can be a little overwhelmed. Come on. 
When we read three and four chapters and say, how can I act like this day in and day out? Am I the only one that finds that a little bit overwhelming when I'm trying to do it on my own graces and powers? And, and, and so what happens is Paul kind of, he does this. He knows he's given us a lot of information and he gives this last call and I can hear my mother's voice. As I read the text this morning, you say, you, you, you can? That's weird, Paul. Because I just read the Bible. I didn't know Ruthie. Saint Ruthie was in the Bible reading scripture. I can't. I can hear my mother's. Her name is Ruth, by the way. But I can hear my mother's voice in this, and and she's saying this. She's going, "Be kind to your sister." And I'm like, "Yeah, let me put, let me illustrate it like this. Have you ever done anything crazy? Have you ever have you ever?" done anything wild? Have you ever done anything adventurous? Have you ever committed yourself to, to just having a good time? Anybody in here? Anybody in here? Have you ever just had a good time? When I was a kid, now I grew up in New England. How many of you know this? I grew up in New England, and that would explain my affiliations to some of the most anointed, beloved sports franchises in the history of the world. And, and so don't, don't judge me. We're all in a journey. We're all in a journey, all right? And so um, God has not called me to the West Coast teams yet, but but I grew up in New England, and one of the things that we did as a family, I've got two older brothers and a little sister, is we'd go cliff jumping. Cliff jumping, that's right. You heard it, cliff jumping into water, all right? Now, some of you are you're being blessed by this already, all right? And, and, and what we would do is we would try to go find the highest cliff with the deepest water, and we'd jump into it. And, and it was just a game to see who could jump from higher without dying um, and, and enjoy it still, because there gets to be a point where it's so high it's just painful. Everybody... Has anybody ever done this before? Am I the only one in the room? Yeah, you're all like, yeah, you are the only one in the room. We need to pray for our pastor here, right? Well, I can hear my mother's voice in this text because inevitably we put all this planning in. We, we, would, we would do our best to, to cover all the X's and O's and make sure we're, we're ready to go and our friends would be ready. We'd be excited and we'd have all the details or preparation in our minds. And then right as we're leaving the house, I hear my mother go, don't forget to be kind to your sister. It was like the last call, like... If you forget everything else, make sure you're kind to your sister. And that's exactly what's happening in our text today. Paul has covered all this stuff and he's given us all these details and he wants to make sure that the church hears the final call. Be kind to your sister. But that's not the word today. But it's the same situation. Paul wants us to hear this final call. Make sure you guys get this. If you forget everything else. So let's turn to Colossians chapter 4. And as you do that, I want to say one more thing this morning, just by way of opening remark. But the mission of the church, the mission of the church. Do you guys, do you understand that we're part of something bigger? Do you understand? That the church of Jesus Christ is bigger than Lodi and Stockton. Do you understand that people all over the world are worshiping a risen Savior and a God that is present right now in this room? That we are part of something bigger as a church body. That, that God has a purpose, yes, for your life, but He has a purpose for the church. We're part of something bigger than what we just see. We're part of something God-sized and 
God ordained, and we're going to begin to address that here this morning, but I want to talk to you because I'm talking about the mission of the church this morning, and I want to just say this, that we've got a mission to be more committed to divine commission than convenience. We have a mission, a divine purpose to be more committed to His commission than our convenience, friends. Bear Creek Church, we've got a We've got a mission to, to position ourselves resolutely towards the house of God. And what I mean is with determination and with focus. To set our attention towards the house of God, the place where we worship as a body, the living, risen God. We have a mission as a church to partner with the Holy Spirit. Who brings us counsel according to John chapter 16. And reveals all truth in this life according to John chapter 16. We have a mission as a church to partner with God and His plans. We have a mission, I believe, to be more committed to the future than the past. We have a mission to be more committed to the future than the past. God isn't calling us Bear Creek Church. He is not calling us towards work that's been done. He's calling us towards work that needs to be done. And let me say, I say that with the full awareness and support of Pastor Bill, a praying man, and Miss Dottie, a praying woman in the leadership of the church that is committed to the future of the church. You know, I'll say this. this I didn't say this first service, but I was talking to my father this week, and he said, you know, I give your pastor so much credit for being sensitive to the Spirit of God and recognizing the future of the church. He said it takes a man to do that. Pastor Bell, some words for my father. We can clap for our leadership. Amen. But I know pastor and the leadership of the church, they're committed to the future of the church. And we celebrate the past, but we're committed to what God is going to do, Chris. We pray for what God is going to do, for what He's going to to do and the mission that we have right now today in 2017. And so we turn our attention now to Colossians chapter 2 with some of those opening remarks as I've set a tone this morning. Paul says this, and we're going to linger on the first three to two to three verses here this morning. And so uh, strap in. I believe God's got a word for the church. Verse 2 through 4, Paul writes this. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, let me just pause here for a second because Paul says, devote yourselves to To what? Prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. It sounds like our lives, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like something we're all doing, right? Devoting ourselves to prayer, right? I mean, it's just reflective of the church, right? No. Don't lie to me. I know all of us in here aren't devoted to prayer the way that we ought to be. I know because God's stirring in me a greater conviction for prayer all the time. 
The Holy Spirit is stirring my heart towards a deeper commitment of prayer. And the mission of the church, according to the Word of God this morning, is to devote ourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. Sounds just like our prayer life, right? Being watchful and thankful. There's less amens as you begin to saturate yourself in what God's Word is saying here this morning. Devote yourselves to prayer. Let me just tell you this. The Greek word for devote yourselves translates literally into English, into this, devote yourself. So this word has not lost its potency, okay? But the Greek word is proskartarero, and it means to devote yourself. And it's a verb written in the present active imperative. And this is what this means. It means it is a current operational command in 2017. See, God has prepared the church for his mission. And his mission is that we would devote ourselves to prayer. And we're going to continue to talk about this this morning. But before we go anywhere, we've got to understand, friends, we have to understand this. That the Holy Spirit will only draw us into things that are consistent with the Word of God. And I want to tell you this morning, with Pastor Bill here and a couple of pastors in the room who have heard me talk about this lately, but God is stirring my heart more and more and more to a greater sense of devotion to prayer. I'm telling you right now that I'm envisioning and beginning to pray about and understand and and wrestling through. God, what is it that you're calling our church to pray about? What is it that you're calling our church to be devoted in prayer about? What does the new season of prayer and ministry look like for the church? I praise God that this church has been birthed and founded on a praying pastor and a praying pastor's wife and ministry that has been devoted and consistent with the Word of God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that as God's Spirit stirs within the church, that He will remind us of His mission. And the Word of the Lord for the church today is to devote ourselves to prayer. I will tell you right now that I am praying in earnest about what that means for our church. Regularly. And I believe there's going to come a moment, Bear Creek, I believe there's going to come a moment where I'm going to stand in front of you and say, this is what God is telling us to do. I believe God's telling us to pray for this and in this capacity and in this format or in in this fashion. Because it's part of the mission of the church to devote ourselves to prayer. And the reason I spend a couple minutes here on the front end of the message is because it's kind of like medicine going down. You mean I got to pray more? You mean I've got to devote myself to prayer? Yeah, that's the mission of the church. God is looking for a church that's going to do His will. Amen? This is an optional behavior. It's essential for the church, and we must be a church that prays together. It's been said that a church is never more like the New Testament church than when it's praying. And a church is never more like the New Testament church than when it's praying. Paul makes this even a little bit more painful here because he says, pray with watchful thankfulness. (laughs) Sounds just like our prayer lives, doesn't it? Devotion to prayer, being aware of what's going on, and being full of gratitude at the same time. (laughs) Now it's getting real. You know what this translates into? I said this first service, and I'll probably get in trouble. I'm going to say it again. What it means is you can't just watch Fox News and get angry. (laughs) Hello? It means you can't just watch CNN and get angry. Whatever side of the aisle you're on, friends. The mission of the church is simple. To devote ourselves to prayer. Being aware with an attitude of gratitude. 
life's easy. No, it's not. It means that I need to be aware of what lost people and broken people and hurting people are going through. And then I need to commit myself to pray for them. All the while being full of gratitude and submission to God. Being fully aware of the hell that is in Stockton and in Lodi. Being aware of it. And then praying for it with an attitude of gratitude. And let me tell you, the only way that this is possible and the reason Paul can say this is because he's made Jesus bigger than the problems. Oh, there it is. Paul has made Jesus bigger than the problems. And because Jesus is bigger and our God is more powerful, come on somebody, our God is more able than the problem, come on somebody, because our God is awesome and always present, he can be thankful knowing that our God is more powerful than the situations that face our communities. Friends, we can't be blind to the racial injustices. We can't be blind to the social scene that's taking place before the church. We can't be blind to the economic hardship that surrounds our community. We've got to be devoted to prayer. Recognizing it for what it is and realizing that often people who don't know Jesus can't even remotely act like Jesus. And we shouldn't be surprised when they don't. We should, in fact, be a little stranged out if people who are walking towards hell start prophesying or acting like Christ. Are you hearing me this morning? Being watchful and thankful, fully aware. What Paul is not saying is this. Pray with fear and despair. How many of us pray with fear? How many of us pray with worry? I'm preaching. Paul does not say pray with apprehension and gloom. He does not say pray with anxiety and sadness. He is not saying pray with nervousness and uncertainty. He's saying devote yourselves, church, Bear Creek. Devote ourselves towards prayer, being fully aware and full of gratitude simultaneously because we know that our God is awesome and hasn't lost his position of authority in the throne room of power. Jesus is bigger. Let's make sure we keep him front and center. Amen. I'm preaching myself happy up here. I'm telling you right now, I'm having a good time. But this is another thing that I want to bring out of this text right here is, sorry, I lost my spot right there, is that we can notice the lack of personal needs as it relates to the prayer. Paul is saying, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful that I might proclaim the message clearly as I should. Do you realize Paul's commitment to prayer has nothing to do with personal needs? May I suggest to you, church, this morning, and I'm keeping it real, this is a real topic. This is a mature topic for the church. I understand that. But may I submit to you that the greatest misstep of the modern day church is failing to pray for the needs of lost people. May I submit to you this morning that the greatest misstep of the followers of Jesus in the modern day church is that our prayer lives are consumed with our jobs, our raises, our children's tuition costs, and all the needs that present themselves in our isolated homes. And we fail to recognize the mission of the church, which is to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful that the gospel message might advance. What if? Chris, what if? What if 800 people at this church, we had 850-ish people last week, had devoted themselves to prayer this week that the gospel message would go forward and that the strongholds of hell would be broken and people in here would be saved? 
May it be so. Wow. I got to keep going here this morning. My heart is full and it's easy to get distracted with the things that I want to say, but I love this Paul saying, pray for divine opportunity that advances the kingdom. Do you see Paul's determination? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful that the gospel message might advance. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, these are my words, he's saying, pray for kingdom presence. He's saying, pray for kingdom economy. You know what kingdom economy is? It's souls. He's saying, pray for kingdom partnership. Walk with the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, pray for kingdom news. Kingdom news is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I get real worked up when I see the gospel message being watered down by preachers and men and women of great influence across, across the Christian scenes. And I said this first service, and I'm going to say it again, but it's a real soapbox for me when, when I see people using the, the platform of the church of Jesus Christ to, to talk solely about your destiny and how great your life can be when you serve Jesus Christ. I've got news for you. Some of you are going to serve Jesus, and your life is going to stink. That doesn't sell a lot of CDs, Chris. I don't know if you've picked up on that. That's not a bestseller, Pastor Bill. But God can redeem those weak moments, those hurting moments, and instill Himself in those moments in a way that nothing can substitute. And God can redeem your life. This is what I'm trying to say is that the gospel message that I preach here in Lodi and in Stockton needs to sound the same as it would in the slums of Argentina where I've stood and prayed and preached the gospel message. Because the gospel message is the good news of Jesus Christ. And that trumps everything. Paul says, pray that the gospel might be proclaimed and advanced the way it should. And I believe a church that's full of the Holy Spirit in, in, in 2017 can be moving towards these sort of prayers. God, I pray that we'd be well aware of the social scene going on in the United States of America. And I pray, Father, that I'd be more full of your Holy Spirit and gratitude knowing that you have overcome the world. Are you hearing what's going on right now? And, Father, I pray as well that you would advance the gospel message, not only through the pastor who's ministering, but, God, through my life as I minister to people. God, I pray that Lodi and Stockton would be open to receive the message of Jesus. And I raise up a, a banner and a standard against the spirits of hell and spirits of intimidation in the name of Jesus. Devote yourselves to prayer. Verses 5 and 6. i got to keep going. Verses 5 and 6. Listen to this. Paul says, be wise. Be what? Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. See, we have an inclusive faith. We want people to want our faith, friends. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, not condemnation. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone. You hear what he's doing here, friends? Be kind to your sister. Devote yourselves to prayer. Love you too. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and and let your words be seasoned with salt, Paul. Because the world is lost and dying and going to hell and they need you to be persuasive. Get that right, whatever you do. Hopefully you get the theater that I'm trying to create here because if it's not working for you, I'm really sorry. 
Paul says, let your words be seasoned with salt. He's saying, be smart and look for opportunities. Every entrepreneur in this room understands what Paul is talking about. Look for opportunity. Nobody's in business for themselves and waits on the other guy to put beans on the table. Are you hearing me? You get after it. You advance the gospel. You season your words with salt. Let me tell you what salt does if you don't know, but salt does some amazing things. One of the things that salt does is it preserves from decay. And so what Paul is saying here is make sure your words preserve. Make sure your words slow down decline in somebody's life. Friends, are your words bringing salt into somebody's life? Or are they accelerating the advancement of hell and its attacks into somebody's life? Are your words full of salt and seasoned with grace? You know what else salt does is it creates thirst. You, you eat salt, you have a big slice of ham. Some of you are like, oh, lunch is waiting. Glory to God, right? You got a big slice of ham or something like that? Somebody forgot they turned the crock, put the crock pot on this morning. I know right now there's some crock pot ministry going on. But salt makes you thirsty. And Paul is saying, make sure that your words are creating thirst in somebody for the things of God. Make sure your words are appetizing somebody towards the presence of God in their life in a way that it was not when the day started. Make sure that you are making somebody thirsty by the words that you say. Friends, we got a mission. we got a mission. Be kind to your sister. Devote yourselves to prayer. And may your words be full of salt. This is my job for the church, says the Holy Spirit to the church today. Salt brings flavor. Ha! If I went to one of your houses for lunch today, you know what you would not do? You would not, send, you would not serve me a bland meal. And you wouldn't be like, yeah, it's just, you know, it is what it is. You'd be starting Friday night. Who am I kidding? You'd start Monday the week before! Some of your ladies are like, you clearly aren't in the kitchen enough because I would be, you know. First service, got it. You'll get it later, all right? Here's my point. You go all out to make a flavorful meal for a guest in your home. And what Paul is making sure that that we understand as a church is that our words must be flavorful. They must be appetizing to the people around us. And I want to say this because I grew up in the rough streets of New England. (laughs) Yeah, right. I did grow up in New England, but they weren't rough streets where I grew up. But, But salt does this. You may not know this, but in the icy roads of the Northeast and in the northern parts of the United States, you know what they do with salt? They lay it down on the road. And do you know why? Because it increases mobilization. Let me put it like this. It melts the ice on the road. And it gives the drivers traction on the road. This is amazing because what I hear is from my life and growing up, you can't drive on the roads without salt. And the salt enables the vehicles, the emergency response vehicles, and all the vehicles to get to where they need to be. And what Paul can be saying to us in 2017 is make sure that your words are seasoned with salt and that the vehicle of the gospel is advancing through your words. I'm having a great time. Verses 7 through 9. Let's keep going this morning. I will speed up here on the back end. I am well aware of the time. But I know you're so engaged, you're not. So that's totally fine. Verse 7 and 9. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant of the Lord. He says, I am sending him to you for the express purpose. Oh my goodness. This will preach. That you may know about our circumstance and that he may what? Encourage your hearts. He is coming with 
Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you, they will tell you everything that is happening here. This is amazing because Paul sends Tychicus for one purpose. And it is to encourage the hearts of the believing remnant of the church. He sends a man full of gifts, equipped and full of the Holy Spirit, probably a minister, an advancer of the gospel, for one purpose. The express purpose is what the Word of God says. To encourage the hearts of the believer. Let me just tell you right now, some of us need to start bringing good news to people. We just need to bring good news. Man, you look good. It's going to be okay. God loves you. It just feels good to say that. You look good. You smell good. God's moving in your life, friends. His word is true. He's not forgotten his promises. They are yes and amen, and they remain forever. The good news is still the good news. What's your purpose today, tomorrow, next week? Are you bringing good news? Let me tell you, a mature believer finds himself in a place where they want to give to other people. Let me tell I'm, I'm just saying it the way it is. At some point in our fellowship of Jesus, we go from consumer to contributor. It just happens where you're like, I just, I got to give. It's in here. I, I got to give it. I got to encourage somebody. I, I got to pray. It's the Holy Spirit, friends counseling and advising and moving in you to advance the gospel message. It's a sign of a mature believer when you are thinking of others. It's been said there are two kinds of people. Here I am kind of person and a there you are kind of person. Are you a there you are kind of person or are you a here I am kind of person? Because a mature believer is a there you are kind of person. Amen? Verses 10 and 11, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus, aren't you glad you're not reading these names? Sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Listen to this now. Paul says, you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. I'm going to come back to this. Jesus, not the Christ, but Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. Let me just say this. You don't want to be named Jesus in the New Testament church. Like, that's just not fair. You know what I mean? Like, some of you got, you know... You hear what I'm saying, right? You don't want to be named Jesus in the New Testament. Hey, here comes Jesus. What? What? Oh, just you again. Man, I was all excited and said Jesus was coming. It's just that guy. <laughs> You're talking about a complex. <laughs> Sorry, this is the stuff I think about when I'm reading the Word of God. Sorry. Let it minister to you as only it can. Holy Spirit, redeem that moment. Um, but this is the reason that this is significant, and it is very significant. is because if you're aware of the New Testament, Paul, who's writing this letter, has a split with Barnabas. At some point, Barnabas and Paul are at odds over something within their ministry. And they split. Their ministries diverge. God continues to use them, but their ministries go in different way. And it is believed that it is over Mark. Because Mark was a cousin to Barnabas, and Paul didn't like something Mark was doing. This is a little bit, little bit of detail to what's going on right here. And I don't want to bore you with the details, but I want to say this. That Paul is now addressing, after a split with Barnabas, Paul has been over here, Barnabas has been over here with Mark, and Paul is now addressing the church and saying, when you see him, welcome him back. 
Because the heart of a mature church and the heart of a mature believer is one of reconciliation, friends. And if you're reading the text and you understand what's going on, you realize what Paul is saying is he's saying, look, I know that you've ostracized this brother, but it's time to welcome him back. Friends, is there somebody in your life that you have pushed away? And you don't want back in your life. In fact, it feels good. Hope the door hits you in the butt on the way out. Let me tell you, that is not the heart of our Father. And it is not part of the mission of the church. Part of the mission of the church is to be kind and to welcome people back when they're ready to walk towards the things of God. Let me, I, just, I could go on and on and on about this, but I want to just say this. May we be a church in our mission devoted to prayer, but also welcoming people back who have walked away from the things of God. And I've already seen it here at this church since I've been here. And I praise God for that spirit that's in this church to welcome people back. Praise God for that. Amen? Praise God for that. Yeah, we can clap for the Lord. Verses 12 through 15. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Can anybody say that about you? Can they say it about me? That I'm devoted to wrestle in prayer for you. Now listen to this, because he takes it up another. He puts the heat on. He says, he is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. And for those at Laodicea and Heropolis, our dear friend Luke the doctor and Damas, send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. Two things I want to say right in here. One is that there was a church meeting in the house. Friends, if you're not thinking about connect groups, let me just stop and tell you, it's not just something we're doing to fill time at the church. Being connected to people who love the Lord and the house of the Lord and the things of God and conversations regarding the things of God will commit themselves to grow. And right here, and this is how churches started, they met in homes around fellowship and the word and conversation. And I want to encourage you this morning very briefly, get involved with a connect group at this church this semester, the fall semester sign up is going to begin in August. And it's a great opportunity to meet with people beyond the 30 minutes and the quick hellos and the goodbyes. You can actually have relationships with people who love the Lord. Wow. What an awesome blessing that is for us as a church. That our pastor cares enough to see the need. I thank God for our pastor. And I want to say this, too, because right here on the front end of verse 12, Paul says this, Epaphras, who is one of you. Now, let me pause here for a second because this is really, really important and we can just blow right over it. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying Epaphras, who's a churchgoer, who's a church member. What? Epaphras, who sits in the fourth row of the middle section of the church, is always wrestling in prayer for you. Say, what? Uh, Question, pastor. Question. Isn't that your job to pray for the church people all the time? No. Epaphras, who is one of you, he's a churchgoer. He's committed to the church. He's devoting himself to prayer. And he just, he sits in the house of God and worships, but he's wrestling in prayer all the time for the church that they may be fully assured and mature, not lacking anything. That's an amazing message for the church today. That you are not only on a mission in and of yourself, but part of the mission of the church. 
And part of your individual mission can be devoting yourself to prayer and contributions to the greater good of the church. Amen. Verse 16 through 18. So that moves to the last couple of verses here this morning. I'm going to give you a couple of points as we walk out. Not that I'm going to preach, but I just want to give to you this morning that are what I would call the mission of the church in recap of what we've just read. But Paul says this. He says, after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that, I, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is so important. It is so important what we see, what Paul is writing. He says, see to it. See to it that you complete the work that has begun. Complete the work that has begun. Friends, may I be transparent with you for a moment. I believe God has called me here to Bear Creek Church at this time to be partnership with Pastor Bill amidst a church in transition. That's the way I see it. I believe God has called me here to be part of this local body right now in every way possible. But we are a church in transition. There's change in the air. It is what it is. And if we can devote ourselves to keep Jesus bigger than every other distraction, we will come out stronger, Chris, and complete the work that has begun 30 years ago. I believe with all of my heart, if Pastor Bill was standing here right now, he would say something like, these are my words, but something like this, finish the work. Commit yourselves to it. Complete it. Well beyond my life. Complete the work that has begun. Because that is what the Holy Spirit birthed in our pastor and in his spirit and in his wife 29 years ago when they started this church. That it would not just be a church that shows up for 20, 30 years, a flash in the pan and then evaporates. No, 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 no. There's a mission for us, friends. And it's to reach one more. It's to reach two more. It's to reach three more. It's to reach ten more. And to do that, and to see God's favor and His blessing and His provision, we've got to do the things that He's already told us to do, which is devote yourselves to prayer. Being well aware of what's going on in the world. Not naive to its corruption. Not naive to its stupidity. And full of gratitude simultaneously. What a word in 2017. I'm going to give you just in the last minute in recap four, I'm not going to preach them, don't worry, but four points that I believe will conclude this message in this series because this is the mission of the church. Number one, to pray. To pray. Are we praying or is it something we endeavor to do? Is prayer a word of days gone by for the church? Is it something we grew up hearing about our parents and our grandparents doing and that we don't have a responsibility for? 
First Thessalonians says pray continually. The second thing that we need to do is to proclaim. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul writes this. He says, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. The mission of the church is to pray. The second part is to proclaim the gospel. This is straight out of the text we just read. All I'm doing is I'm ripping it straight from the text to make sure we understand it this morning. The third part of this mission is to persuade. To persuade. This is such an important component to our life in our fellowship with Jesus. First Peter chapter 2 says this, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits. Oh my word. The word of God is telling us that we must live so holy, so above reproach, so fully committed to the things of God, so beyond the world's scale of what is appropriate, that although they mock us, they can't deny the power and the presence of God in our lives. Wow! Somebody needs to start reading your Bibles. People tell me, you know, I'd read the Word of God, but it's dated. No, it's not. You're reading the King James. It might sound a little dated. I'm just throwing some of you are so offended right now. Like, that is the one the Spirit is in. No, trust me. It's in them all. Thee and thine and thou and all that sort of stuff. That's good. But let me tell you, the Bible is relevant in 2017. It is full of power. It is rich for us this morning. And the fourth point, and the worship team can come at this time. The fourth point in conclusion, no pun intended, to complete. To complete the work that has been started. It is not enough that we start one more campaign. It's not enough, Mark. we got to complete it. There is a world of people around us. And God has positioned us here, Steve. He's put us right here. He's put me with you and you with me. He's put us together. Chris, Jenny's put us together, guys, so that we can use our gifts. I look around the room and I see people with gifts. And I know that we're part of the church body and God's called us to do things. But I'm telling you, I want to I encourage you and equip you and the power of the Holy Spirit to recognize and to pray in your part of the mission of the church, which is to devote yourselves to prayer, being fully aware of what's going on, and a heart full of gratitude because we know that our God is bigger than any problem. And that we can be thankful, that we can pray, that we can proclaim, that we can persuade, and that we can complete the work that started 30 years ago. I am so honored and so excited to be part of completing the work that has begun under the anointing of the Holy Spirit through wonderful people who have breathed life and and finances. Yeah, I said it. Finances and, and energy into this church. I'm so pumped to be here. But there's a mission for the church we got a mission to do. If there's anybody in here crazy enough to say, Paul, I'm not talking about sensationalism. I'm not looking for that, right? Somebody say, I want to be part of that mission. I want to be part of God's mission. I, I want to devote myself to prayer. Being fully aware of the hell of this age and its influence but full of gratitude towards God, knowing He's bigger. (laughs) Bigger. See what I did there? If that's you, 
Would you stand with me around the room? If you're there, I want to pray for you and pray that God would help you be part of the mission of the church. If there's anybody in here crazy enough, in fact, do this as you stand. You don't have to stand if it's not you, but if you're in here and and you say, Pastor, I want to be part of the mission of the church, raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. You're going to pray really quick. Father, you see the hands that are raised of the people who want to be part of your commission. I believe I've spoke your word this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit will redeem anything I may have messed up, and I believe that you're seeing a response by your Holy Spirit that is moving people into a greater understanding, a greater commitment into the mission of the church. God, I pray that we would move from consumer mentality as a church to contributor mentality as a church, not only as individuals, but also as a body. And I pray, Father, that your will would be done and that your name would be glorified every day the doors of this church are open. We also pray, Father, for the lost people, like Paul did in Colossians. We pray for the lost people of Lodi, the lost people of Stockton, the people who are hurt and broken and addicted and smell bad and look funny. We pray for all of those people. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that they would feel welcome here, that we would extend our arms to them, that we would draw them in and that we would complete your work in this church. And everybody in agreement to that prayer says amen. Come on, I'm getting fired up. Friends, we're going to close in prayer. And I just want to tell you, I'm going to invite the prayer partners down. If you're a prayer partner, come on down. Altar was packed this morning. It's awesome. Awesome. Packed. Love it. I've always been fond of the altar when I was a kid. Young man, even a teenager. I'm telling no shame here. I'm the biggest weirdo in the room. Altars would be open. I'd be down front. Arms lifted high like, God, I don't know what it is, but I want that. I just want more of that. Don't be ashamed. Run after the things of God. There's a mission for you, a mission for this church. Are you hearing me this morning, friends? You say, Paul, I I don't know Jesus. Yeah, don't hesitate to come on down. I'm going to be done talking in about 30 seconds. We're going to close with a song before I dismiss you. But I want to say this. I'm going to give you an opportunity to meet Jesus, my Jesus, my Savior this morning in just a few minutes. And many of you would say, yeah, I get that there's a mission for the church, but how can I be part of a mission if I don't, if I don't know Jesus in my own heart? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an invitation here in just a minute. We had four people raise their hand to recommit this morning or to find Jesus for the first time. Four people right here. We're doing it. Praise God. Praise God. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about what God is going to do. Amen? Let's worship together. Let's close with the song before I dismiss you. Dismiss you in a couple minutes. The presence of the Lord is here, and i got to stop talking. I see shadows. You see hope. I see broken. But you see beautiful. And you're helping me to
here to tell you this morning that God loves you and that when you were dead in your sin and trespass that he forgave you that he loves you you are his economy you are his purpose he loves you just the way you are and before we go this morning I want to give you an invitation to be part of the family of God I want you to know that Jesus will forgive you right now. God will forgive you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. That's the gospel message. That's the gospel message we will proclaim. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God's grace is sufficient for you this morning. If there's anybody before we go who'd like to say, Pastor Paul, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to do anything weird. But I want to lead you. I want to lead the whole church body in prayer this morning. If there's anybody this morning say, Pastor Paul, I want to join the family of God this morning. I want to repent of my sin. I see hands going up, and I haven't even given the invitation. This is awesome right here. Right? If there's anybody in here say, I want to be part of the family of God, throw your hand up unashamed of the gospel message. I, I see a dozen hands going up around the room. This is awesome. I'm going to pray with you this morning, and I'm going to welcome you to the family and say, we got a mission, baby. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's Let's make Jesus bigger than anything else. Would you lift your hands with me? Those of you who raise your hands, 
especially lift them up to heaven. All of us are going to ch- pray together as a church. We're all going to reinvite Jesus into our heart. I believe there's 15 to 20 people today who have recommitted themselves to the Lord, and I praise God for that. But pray with me. Repeat this simple prayer. Lord God, forgive me of my sin. I am a sinner. It's what I do. It's what I know. And I need your help. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, cleanse me. Wash my sin away. Thank you that you love me and that I'm part of your family. I believe in you and I receive you this morning. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. One sec, guys. Be kind to your sister. Be kind to your sister. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. We have a mission, church. And my mission is to get you out of here to go eat right now. So go eat lunch in the name of Jesus. All right, Pastor Bobby, Lindy, lead us. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice. Your blood goes red.